Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Wolves podcast. We are live on the postcast following the Timberwolves loss to the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday night. Marty Gellner of Bally Sports North joins the show to break down the game. The Locked On Wolves postcast starts right now. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. I'm joined by Marty Gellner from Valley Sports North. We're going to talk about the Timberwolves lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. And Marty, this was a rough one. I mean, post-trade deadline momentum, Mike Conley's debut, a big win in Utah on Wednesday, and a, a pretty competitive start to the game. But the Wolves ultimately really struggled mightily to contain the Grizzlies on offense. Uh, the Wolves' defense struggled to contain the Grizzlies' offense, and Memphis started to pull away a little bit in the second half and, and uh, ultimately ended up winning by 21. Yeah, it really was a tough night for the defense. Memphis shot in the 60s for much of the night, ended up just under that, like 58%, but for uh, a long while, it was 61, 62, and it, uh, it was kind of just a flat night like Anthony Edwards was a little bit off he just wasn't very efficient and I feel like a lot of times this team goes as Ant goes and so when he wasn't clicking offensively and there were some struggles on the defensive end it was just kind of a flat night and I mean that's 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 kind of where I just leave it I I, I don't um you and I were even talking off air and it was like yeah this game was kind of eh. It yeah. just didn't, there wasn't a whole lot that jumped out and maybe it was just the Wolves needed to have one of these before they uh, fit all the, the, the new pieces together and we'll see where it goes from here. But this wasn't their, their night for sure. Yeah, and, and it started, uh, like, I thought the first half was, or excuse me, the first quarter was was really competitive. Um, the, the Timberwolves kind of, the offense was pretty sloppy and then it got really sloppy in the second quarter. And there were some like Conley had a couple turnovers in his first stint. And then other than Jalen Noel, the bench didn't really play all that well. We'll talk more about Noel in a minute, but, um, and, and then it was really kind of late second quarter when Memphis started to, to create some distance, they were up 11 at halftime and then they were up, um, I think it was 17 going into the fourth quarter. So it was really kind of late second quarter. And then like incrementally throughout the third quarter, Memphis, like, Memphis just was making their open shots and yeah. kind of mucking things up defensively against the Wolves. And uh, I mean, that was, that's pretty much what happened in this one. Um, I think to me, if I'm going to pick like two big storylines from this game, number one was points in the paint. Uh, Memphis had 72, the Timberwolves had 48 points in the paint in this game. And Chris Finch talked about this post game. The Timberwolves rim protection was not very good. And I think, um, you know, obviously Part of that is is ball pressure, point of attack defense, and part of it is Rudy Gobert. Um, he had three blocks in this game, and he altered more shots. And so I think it was it was both things, right? It was kind of this avalanche of the, of Grizzlies just kind of waltzing into the paint because the contain wasn't good on the perimeter. And then also Gobert, there were a couple times he kind of got caught in the middle and didn't quite contest shots that maybe he normally would contest. Um, but it was kind of a, a, you know, both things weren't good, and the Wolves ended up getting outscored in the paint 72 to 48. And I think John Morant is a good reason why the Grizzlies do that to a lot of teams because, and Finch talked about this a little bit too, is the way the Wolves were playing the screens, like Ja coming off a screen and that even giving him a little room is giving him too much room. And, I mean, he's a special talent. He That man right. is a gift. Yep. So it's not fair to put this 
game with all the others and say, well, you can't you can't contain a guard with the ball. Well, John Moran right. is not just a guard with the ball. He is one of the most electric and dynamic guards in the league. And who, by the way, is extremely effective getting into the paint. So chalk some of the 72 paint points just up to its jaw and it's the way they roll and it's him either catching lobs or throwing lobs. But um, Finch talked about, in general, the Denver game two games ago and this game just being where the Wolves have kind of lost their defense and that teams are getting, players are getting way too much of a runway into the paint. And by the time that they get to the Rudy Gobert rim protection person, uh, they got ahead of steam and way too much already. So you're right, Ben. There are multiple areas that add up to the uh, the poorest defense and the the points in the paint and the wolves let's hope these were two just kind of outlier games because the timberwolves have been much better as a defensive team mm-hmm. and mike conley is a better defender point of attack than d'angelo russell was so if you're just even taking that direct comparison out let's hope that these two games are not indicative of what the wolves are going to be going forward yeah, you mentioned that the Wolves had been improved defensively of late, and I think it was after the win over Denver, albeit a you know Denver team without four of their five starters. I get that they held Denver to ninety eight points on I think it was Sunday, um, or I don't remember Tuesday, so uh, whatever day it was. Yeah, um, it was Sunday. It was Sunday because okay. yeah. it was uh, the early tip time, which meant they only had twenty two hours between their games. Right. Yes, and they and they only brought you know uh, they didn't bring four of their best players. But after that game, the Wolves were top 10 in the league for the season in terms of defensive rating. I think they're up to number nine. Um, and so the defense overall this year, like it hasn't been bad. It hasn't been the issue, right? It's more been the offense. It's just there's these kind of one-off games. And a couple nights ago against a full-strength Denver team is a really good example of that when they gave up 146. Um, like there's just these games where it's just it's just not good. And then you combine that with the team that gets hot. And Memphis shot 40% from three. And, and uh, you know, Santi Aldama hit three threes in this game. And um, it, it was just kind of like they were getting penetration and kickouts. They were getting, you know, John Morant. Like, obviously, it's John Morant. So you, there's a little bit of, you know, you can stomach him having a really nice game. Um, but it just kind of was this avalanche. And then transition defense, which is has been kind of a, a bugaboo for the Wolves all season long. Um, and Memphis, it wasn't a huge advantage. I think it was like six points in transition, but it just kind of felt like it was all happening at once to the Wolves. And, and this was one of those where it wasn't like one big run. It, like I said earlier, it was kind of like throughout the course of the second and third quarters, Memphis kind of distanced themselves and then they pushed it to 20 early in the fourth. And that's kind of when it, it felt like it was over. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the, the second thing I guess that I wanted to focus on was uh, the free throw disparity. Um, Memphis had 27 yeah, yeah. free throws in this game. The Wolves shot 12 and yep. Memphis committed 19 fouls. The Wolves committed 20, but I mean, how many moving screens did Memphis get called for? I think they got called yeah. for five or six. I think it was uh, five. It was at least I five. I thought it was five, including the, the charges. Yeah. I mean, Prince took the charge. Yeah. I think it was four in the first half. It felt like it, yeah, was, it was crazy. And, but, but it, though, I, like, we very rarely talk about officiating on, on the postcast. I very rarely talk about it on Lockdown Wolves because I think it I, there's a lot of other things to talk about. But in this game, it just really felt... I mean, Anthony Edwards, he played a game-high 39 minutes. And in a game when there were 39 free throws attempted... And by the way, Ant only attempted three threes in this game. So Anthony Edwards shot 16 two-point shots and didn't attempt a single free throw in this game. Um, and I, like I'll be the first to say that 
I don't know, more than half the time when Ant is complaining for a foul, he's probably not getting fouled. But in this game, you can't tell me he wasn't fouled a single time going to the basket. And that disparity, I mean, it's 10, 10, you know, I'm not saying the Wolves would have won if they had not had the 10 point disparity at the free throw line because they lost by 20 plus. But it makes this game a lot closer and a lot more competitive. And so that was a bit a bit surprising to see Ant shoot zero free throws in 39 minutes. Yeah, he he's hope I don't know if he's getting more calls. It seems like he is, but there are a lot that he doesn't get. But then there are so many times that he drives to the lane and yells, hey, yeah. once or multiple times that now now everything is a blur to me. I don't know when he's fouled or not. And there are times when judging by his haze, I think, he man, he got hammered. And then you see a replay and it's like, oh, no, I guess he didn't get fouled. And then he only gives you a one hay and he gets fouled badly. Yep. I, I really don't know what to, to make of it. And I really don't like the players that beg for the foul calls and, and call out the hay because now it's just noise. It's complete white noise. And there yep. are a lot of players in the league who do it. It's not just Anthony Edwards. Right. It's become part of the shot. I mean, I, I honestly don't know if players even realize they're doing it. I wonder if Ant, the number of times that he calls that out when he drives to the basket, if he realizes that he's doing it, because he does it whether he's fouled or not. It's just yep. like an initial reaction. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was, it was was a surprise that the, um, the number of offensive fouls, I mean, Memphis had 18 turnovers to the Wolves 17. So turnovers weren't a big issue. It's just that so many Memphises were also dead ball turnovers. They were right. these moving screens yes. and, and the Wolves fouls were all shooting fouls. Um, tonight's presenting sponsor of the postcast is our friends at FanDuel. The only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secured, super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 this Sunday. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Um, we talked a little about Ant. Let's talk about Jalen Noel. He came off the bench in this game, led the Wolves in scoring with 21 points in just 24 minutes. He also squeezed the trigger 16 times in 24 minutes, but... He was the only Timberwolves player really scoring efficiently in this game. Um, and, and I mean, again, the Wolves had two players that scored more than 12 points. Ant had 17 on 19 shots. Noel had 21 on 16 shots um, and played really well, both early in the game when it was close, like late first, early second quarter. And then also in the second half when he was trying to shoot the Wolves back into it. This is a really nice game for Noel. A second consecutive really nice game. Yes. Yes. For Jalen Noel. Yeah. Coming off of his first ever 30-point game in Salt Lake City on, uh, let's see, today's Friday, Wednesday. Um, yeah, J- Jalen Noel has been an ineff- inefficient scorer for the last couple of months, but he started out the season so well. And there, it's interesting because Chris Finch, when he was talking about J- uh, Jordan McLaughlin and Jordan McLaughlin's return, and when he talked about how Jordan makes players better, the first he mentioned was Jalen Noel, and that would not have been high on my radar to think, well, I know Jordan makes everybody better, but it, I think Nas Reed. I think those two in that pick-and-roll game, they have such a great connection. But um, Chris Finch said, 
Jalen Noel right away. And then he rattled off some other people in some other instances. But then you watch and see just what Jalen and Jordan do together. And for whatever reason, maybe it's just the fact that they play minutes together. But um, I don't know how much of that we credit what Jalen Noel is doing to what Jordan McLaughlin has helped in him. But maybe it's not a coincidence that McLaughlin's been back for the last two games and Noel has had two very good efficient scoring games and the Wolves if, if he can have this efficiency now if this is the the Noel we're going to see for the rest of the season that will be really valuable to the Wolves with his role off the bench yeah and that trio McLaughlin um Noel and Nas Reed of course saw some time with the Iowa Wolves in the G League yep. together and so there's you know not extensively the three of them together but they you know parts of two if not three seasons they i guess two seasons they would have played some time together in the g league so um yeah i mean th- that there is certainly a synergy there with that second unit you throw you know you add in torian prince in the mix uh with his you know uh you know, veteran presence and austin river still a uh, rotation member at this point in time as well uh mike conley's debut not a whole lot to write home about in this one he only played 26 minutes didn't have to play really at all in the fourth quarter played a little bit i guess but um at the start of the game, he got an assist right off the bat, had a couple of turnovers in his first stint, played, had a, a couple of really nice defensive plays, um, uh, a steal, kind of poked the ball up from behind, those types of veteran-type plays, drew a couple of offensive fouls, um, and I think had one kind of lob attempt to... There was actually early in the game, he threw... Um, Jade McDaniels was being fronted by John Morant, and he threw a really nice over-the-top pass um, to McDaniels, who then threw it to Gobert, who got a dunk, or actually got fouled, I guess, and got to the free throw line very early in the game. There were a couple of those plays that you could pick out, and like that was a pass that D'Angelo Russell was never comfortable making. Um, again, you know, Conley had nine points, three assists in 26 minutes, uh, three of seven shooting, three turnovers. So a pretty nondescript debut, but it was a fairly nondescript game by the Wolves overall. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see him do some of those kind of professional point guard type things, um, but really looking forward to seeing him moving forward when this team starts to get their uh, yeah. their their legs under them with him in the lineup. For sure. And I, I was I was trying to watch Mike Conley's minutes through a game manager lens, like see the things he does to try to put people in the right positions, because that's the one of the big differences between Conley and D'Angelo Russell's that D'Lo is such a star and playmaker and Conley is more the game manager and your, your typical point guard, especially the way he thinks the game and executes the game. So I was trying to watch it through that lens, but this was a tough game. I feel like to do that. And the other thing is um, his assists. I mean, Mike Conley is in his 16th NBA season. Yet this is the one where he's averaging seven and a half assists per game, a career high. By far, by almost a full assist more than he had at anywhere he played, which includes Memphis for a good string yeah. of time. So I wonder how much um, this was just a really weird, tough game for Mike Conley to be in Memphis with his new team, Minnesota, having just left Salt Lake City, where he was really welcomed by the fans and the players. I, I would imagine that this is not the game we judge Mike Conley's Timberwolves future on, but it gave us a little bit of a look, a little bit of a taste of what it'll be like going forward here. Next up, the Timberwolves actually have the weekend off. No game Saturday, no game Sunday. The first you know, consecutive off days, I think, in, geez, I don't know, like almost three weeks, I think. Um, 
And uh, then the Wolves go to Dallas for the third, or excuse me, fourth and final game of this road trip on Monday night to take on the New Look Mavericks, who have been played really well since they uh, landed Kyrie Irving. They play the Mavericks Monday night at 730 Central. We'll, of course, go live on the postcast about 45 minutes after the game here at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. If you miss it live, you can also listen after the fact in the Lockdown Wolves audio, uh, just the regular podcast feed. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find this show. Um, Otherwise, that's all we got for you tonight. A big thank you for listening. A big thank you for watching. And we'll catch you next time.